Hey everyone, it's Jonathan. Welcome back to the Disney Movie Marathon. Today's episode is part of a four-part miniseries on the South of the Border films from Disney's wartime era. These episodes were originally released in 2020, and instead of fully re-editing and creating all new intros and graphics, etc. for these, I'm just going to re-release them as they were originally created. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Disney Movie Marathon on iHeartMovies. My name is Jonathan North, and today we're continuing our mini-series on the Latin American Disney films from the 40s. In this episode, Sarah and I will be continuing where we left off in our discussion on Saludos Amigos with the follow-up film, The Three Caballeros. So without any further ado, let's just jump right into our discussion. Okay, so, Three Caballeros. This one... It's similar to Saludos Amigos, but I feel like this one has a more, I don't even want to say focused narrative. It's, it has a loose narrative tying everything together. The other one was just talking about different places in South America. This one, they they made up a story yeah, to tie everything tie together. Yeah, they did tie it together. Basically, it's Donald's birthday, and he gets presents, and all the presents have to do with the different countries. Yeah. So his first gift is a projector that came with a film called Avis Raris, or Rare Birds. Which I think that projector was way easier to set up than a um, non-animated projector. (laughs) It basically set itself up. Yeah. It made me think more of the effort that they would have had to go through to set one up, though. Mm Mm-hmm. So this contains a bunch of cartoons about rare birds, starting with Pablo the Cold-Blooded Penguin. And this is just... A cute little story about a penguin who lives in Antarctica and hates the cold. And his his adventures trying to get out of the cold. And how he finally makes it to a sunny little island and he's boiling hot. And then he's sort of wistfully looking at pictures of home. And (laughs) and the narrator's like, what's human nature? Even with a penguin or something like that. It just didn't make sense, but it was funny. Yeah, it was cute. There's not a whole lot to say about that one. It's it just was a, a cute thing. little thing about a big one. <laughs> and then it talks about some real birds. This one came out in 43, didn't it? Yes. Okay. So a couple years after the one that we talked about. Mm-hmm. So the next bit talks about some real birds. I think they're real. There were, I know there's some real. Maybe there were some fantasy ones in there, but I think they I were would, all real. I would like to think that they were all real. It's just that they were talked about in a funny little way. Yeah, I think the only one that was not real was the Araquan bird, who is the one who ran around crazily singing and interrupting. Are you you sure? (laughs) Even though they put like a bathing suit on him, I bet I wouldn't be surprised if that was based off of a... I mean, I suppose it could have been based off something, but... A really noisy little bird. (laughs) It could have been. I don't know. Either way, this one is like the most memorable from that sequence, just because he's kind of insane and hilarious and... I'm kind of failing you because I'm a birder, but there are a zillion birds out there, and I don't know the names of all of them. And then they're going through all these real birds, and then it ends up talking about one that's not really even a bird. It's a winged donkey. The the narrator sort of interrupts himself and tells the story of his childhood, and he discovers a donkey that has wings. Like, he was hunting a condor for some reason. Yeah, what? <laughs> also, did people actually hunt condors? I don't and know. why would you do that? And why would a child do that? 
I guess maybe is this a lack of sense thing that a child will want it? Or, or is there some historical context? We don't know. I don't know. Either way, you can catch a winged donkey instead, apparently. A very cute one. Yeah, well, he, he finds this donkey, they become friends, and they drink matcha together. <laughs> so they end up entering a race, and they win, but they're discovered as, like, some of they, the donkey flies up, and apparently this is shocking and horrifying, I don't know. They don't seem to be too interested in the fact that this miraculous creature exists, but rather that he falsely won the race. Yeah, they're more upset that he cheated than surprised that the donkey has wings. I don't know. And they fly off and the narrator says that they were never heard from again. (laughs) (laughs) Despite the fact that he's been narrating all these bird films this whole time. (laughs) Right. So, it's just supposed to be a cute, funny little story. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention earlier. The narrator introduces a Professor Holloway as talking about the cold-blooded penguin. Which I pretty much recognized it as Sterling Holloway right away. I don't think I recognized that when I was a lot younger. Like, we watched this when I was a kid, so I would right. have to had no idea who he was. You but just... this time, it stuck out to me. I was like, oh, Professor Holloway. Yeah. Sterling Holloway. The familiar voice of cartoons. Yeah. Obviously, he did other stuff, too, but... Anyway, after the donkey story ends, that's the end of that present. And Donald goes to the second present, which ends up being a book about Brazil. And it contains a miniature Jose Caroca. And he sings a song about Bahia. There's a whole song dedicated to Bahia. And this has a lot more beautiful animation. One of the best scenes in the movie if you just like great art. This is, this one, I don't think, contains anything that people would call trippy. It's just beautiful paintings. This had the scene with the black background and the colorful flowers on the train, right? After this. After the Bahia song. Man, when are we going to talk about that? Because it's so great. I keep jumping the gun because it really <laughs> stuck out in my mind. Yeah. But this one, just this part, I just thought the animation was beautiful. I just, I really liked it. It was like Fantasia quality. Sweet. So then we get to the thing with the train. They enter the book. They're going to go visit Bahia, and they're riding this cartoon train. And this is is where things start to get a tiny bit, quote-unquote, trippy. But the train is just kind of being a cartoon train. And then the Araquan bird jumps in. He's messing with them. He's drawing new tracks, rerouting all the cars. But they it's all just end a cartoon. Up, they all end up back together. Yeah. It's, and there's no big accident or anything. Yeah. So then they get to Bahia, and they meet a woman selling cookies. I believe her name was Yaya. She, there's a song with her name in it. I'm not going to try and sing the song, but it sticks in my head, even though I don't know the lyrics. <laughs> I, the song sticks in my head. It's very memorable. It didn't stick in my head. <laughs> you would think it would have, but it... But it Maybe is. it sticks in my head because I saw this a lot as a kid. Because sure. we had this on VHS sure. and, and watched it. I don't remember ever watching this. Yeah. Ever. So. A lot of times the things you watch as a kid can get stuck in your head a lot more easily. That's probably why it sticks in my head more. Because our brains are built for sponging things in. Yeah. At that age. So this is basically just a big dance number. They're dancing with this woman. There's all these men coming around dancing with her, and 
Which, this is kind of fun in that you have the cartoon mixed with the live people, mm -hmm. which isn't always fun, but in this instance, it's interesting. And sometimes you even pan out of the book, and you can see, like, the book and the cartoons happening in the book, like a 3D pop-up version with the live-action people. It's really cool, the way they mix together the live-action animation. It's just, like, people call it trippy, but I just see it as the animators were experimenting like having fun seeing what they could do i didn't think about them combining the book with the animation when you mention it that was a good idea mm -hmm. that was creative this is one of those scenes where you have the bombshell woman who's getting <laughs> fawned over by all the guys and donald's being obnoxious <laughs> yeah and finally some other chicks showed up it's like yes you you all can have a girlfriend. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, the I think Jose kept calling Donald a wolf, and he, he is. was oh living up to that. Like that's I didn't really think about it when I was a kid, but like now that's like my main criticism of this movie is Donald is way too girl crazy in this movie. And yeah, I have mixed feelings about that because some of it. I'm I'm fine with that. Like some of it was kind of cute. If you're he, if you're like, oh my goodness, a beautiful woman, but some of it was like, okay, chill, come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, there are lines, <laughs> but this part I don't think was too bad with that. No, this one was mostly fine. It was just the beginning of Donald but it, becoming a wolf. Part of it, the part of what was interesting about this was just seeing people that I'm assuming were native people, or did they just get people who were really good at communicating that part? I think they probably had real Brazilians. Because, you know, they're singing in the native tongue, they're dancing around, and it's just... Playing instruments, too. It's just interesting to see those people mm -hmm. being themselves, one would assume. Yeah. So, yeah, for that, for that, this is interesting as well. And it's kind of cute. Mm-hmm. And this one ends getting crazier and crazier. Like, there's silhouettes of the men turning into roosters and fighting. And the street lamps and buildings start coming to life. And people are dancing through the living buildings. And Which I, I did not... was That was not disturbing to me. To me, it was no, just... they're I telling just us it was cool. They're telling a story. Yeah. So, they get out of the book eventually. They, like, have to squeeze out of the pages because the book closed on them. And then there's this whole thing of them trying to grow back to being big again. And Donald trying to get to the last present. He can't because he's tiny. He's got to grow before he can get to the present. But in the last present, it starts out with another load of, for lack of a better word, trippy visuals. But it reminded me of the scene with the soundtrack in Fantasia, except with a guitar in the middle of the string. And then it ends with Donald... I think he turns into a piñata and explodes. And then you meet the last of the three caballeros, Panchito Pistoles, who I don't think was ever named in the film. I, did he ever say his name? I know he, his name. He might have. Was this the scene where they kind of had what looked like recording sound waves? Yeah. Yeah. I liked that. Yeah. It was interesting and fun. But he comes out and then you have the title song, The Three Caballeros. Yes, which is cute yeah it's another to at least to me memorable song it can get stuck in your head i could see children really enjoying that one and 
Panchito eventually gives Donald a piñata and tells him about Mexican Christmas, which apparently involves piñatas. Which I never, I don't ever, I mean, maybe I saw Rick Steves or something where that was referenced, but I, well, he's Europe. Why am I even referencing that? <laughs> well, maybe, maybe somewhere in there I've seen some historical reference to this, but I never, I don't ever remember associating piñatas with Christmas and having <laughs> some background on that was interesting. What's kind of weird is when he finally breaks it open and there has to be historical and cultural context for this because you have like fanged masks. Yeah, there's a lot of random things inside the piñata. That would make sense to them, I think. Like the bowl was, I still don't know what was up with the bowl, but it makes more sense than the fanged masks. Mm -hmm. The main present inside the piñata is another book, like the Brazil book, except this one's about Mexico, since Panchito is Mexican. So they go into this book on the magic sarape, <laughs> instead of a magic carpet. And you get a lot of footage, a lot of paintings, um, like live-action footage and animation about Mexico. There's I, several songs here. I appreciate it that they covered more than one region as far as the forms of dancing. Mm -hmm. That was interesting. Yeah, you get multiple dances in this section. There is so much more for me to know about Mexico. Mm -hmm. Because I started watching this program that talked about the different regions. And we get different stereotyped images of what Mexico is like. And you don't always, I certainly haven't always thought about or known just how varied the landscape is. I've had that type of surprise in our own country, like mm -hmm. Utah? Really? They have all that going on in the landscape? <laughs> so, let alone in a different country that I've never been to. So, it's, it's interesting how they cover more than one thing here. Mm. Well, that even happens to me with Iowa. Like, I didn't even realize that there were like cliffs in Iowa, and yeah. I've lived here my whole life. Yeah, we have hills. There are four regions in Iowa, and Iowa. This is I'm. I just I have to rabbit trail. <laughs> Iowa is actually bigger than a lot of countries in the world, but it would be less populated than a lot mm -hmm. of countries in the world. And it has four different regions. It has. The Lost Hills region, it has the prairie potholes, it has an area with limestone cliffs. And, you know, and if you didn't know this, we have poisonous snakes too. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so much, so much to know. We will never know it all. No. So, don't be mad at us for not knowing everything about Mexico. <laughs> Yeah, we don't even know everything about our own state, so. <laughs> We're trying to get out more. <laughs> anyway. Eventually, all of this leads through the dancing, through learning more about Mexico. You get to Acapulco Beach, where they, for some reason, they're, like, dive-bombing these sunbathing ladies. This is this is probably the dumbest part of this <laughs> Of this cartoon sequence. First off, if this is a famous beach, why are there only women on it? For Donald to chase. I mean, 
if if they actually have segregated bathing on Acapulco Beach, I'm totally cool with that. But I doubt it. And so you have all of these <laughs> svelte, gorgeous women, which is also not true to life. They're, uh, you know, there's like one age group here represented. <laughs> like, uh, all like 20-something females yeah. that could be swimsuit models. And Donald going absolutely nuts. And me being like, toss them into the water, ladies, or whatever. <laughs> I just... It just got silly and very, very wolfish, and it was it was dumb. Yeah, this is probably the worst part of the movie. It which... was, I mean, if for some reason you are a woman wanting to know the history of 1940 swimwear, I guess that would be a, <laughs> um, an educational clip. But other than that, not really educational. No, it's basically Donald going crazy and having to be dragged away from the beach by Finally. Jose and Panchito. Jose and Panchito are far more controlled. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, okay, you know, this it's is time the, to this, leave. this is the beach. Okay, we're we're leaving now. So they fly out of the book and they end up watching another musical number in the book, and this is where things get really I, for lack of a better word again, trippy, because you have this woman who is just her face in the sky. She's like a star. And there's this is the black background with all the patterns. And just a lot of random, to me, cool animation happens here. Just strange things. I just think it's cool. But it's a live action woman's mm -hmm. face just surrounded by animation and at one point Donald's on the moon listening to her. This is the part where his interest in women is actually cute because yeah. he's like, oh, cut it out. She's singing this beautiful <laughs> you know, love song and it's he's not being as you know. Wolfish. Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> but this, this there's a lot of like transformation stuff like she eventually turns into a flower there's a lot of flower animation i think donald is sort of like a bee at this point somewhere in here it gets weird yeah but it's still cool. it, it's still interesting but it's weird and there's like live action women who are like kaleidoscopes like pieces in a kaleidoscope sort of floating around it's just a lot of experimental animation and mixing live action with animation. Well, whoever whoever animated this, God bless them, loved women so much. Because not only <laughs> because not only do you start out with a pretty woman singing, then you transition into the, okay, maybe the kaleidoscope woman. Somewhere in there, all you have are a bunch of red lips. Like a like a whole flock of of, of of red lips not attached to anything that are just kissing Donald and it's like I don't know these yeah <laughs> it's like thanks it's good to be a woman um, apparently you think we're great <laughs> oh anyway but within this you get a lot of different. I, I'm guessing it's like authentic Mexican dress. Like all the ladies are wearing different things. You eventually get to one which is 
probably my favorite, where a cactus turns into a lady who's dressed in a, sort of like a Mexican cowgirl outfit. I'm not exactly sure what it's supposed to represent, but I really liked that sequence. I liked her dance. I liked the cactuses. It was different. It was representing a to uh, a whole dance in and of itself that, mm -hmm. that you wouldn't associate with the others. One of the things, aside from the fact that she's Mexican and she's wearing a sombrero, if you're into historical fashion, you'll notice that her silhouette is very 1940s. Um, it's the skirt is closer to a straight skirt. It's not super long, and it would indicate the fashions of the wartime era that were a little more sparse on the fabric. It's not, you know, it's not racy or anything. It's just very tailored down, but yet her costume was decorative. It was just mm -hmm. interesting. It was an interesting blend of both, uh, you know, the Mexican aspect and the dancing aspect, but yet it really does give off a 1940s silhouette along with that. Very fitting for 1943. Mm -hmm. And I think I've mentioned this before, but this part especially, it just had a Fantasia vibe, especially with the dancing cactuses. It kind of reminded me of the mushrooms. I could believe that. Just There's a lot of stuff in this that reminded me of Fantasia. Only a tiny part of this seemed slightly creepy, where the, the cacti are just more straight and looming. And at some point... <laughs> They sort of ha they sort of expand towards the bottom, almost like they're wearing little little pants or have little feet or something. And then they're not. I mean, it's. I think it's totally a personal thing whether you find the cacti intimidating or not. <laughs> I I wouldn't warn you off of showing your children the dancing cactus <laughs> in this. Yeah, I mean, we watched it as kids, and none of us were scarred by the cactus. Right, right. <laughs> I don't know what's all happening in my brain there. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this just keeps getting crazier and crazier. And somehow Donald ends up in a bull thing. It's not really even a costume. I think it's just, it has fireworks it inside it. It was the it. thing that came out of the pinata earlier. Yeah, but I don't know what it was supposed to be. And it's probably some authentic Mexican toy or something. Right. Although I would hope you wouldn't give children live fireworks. But anyway, this or bull is shooting off fireworks. Maybe part of a festival where they have a fake bull and fireworks. I don't know. It maybe maybe we'll find out in the documentary. Maybe. If you know, feel free to leave a comment. But he's chasing Jose and Panchito around, shooting off fireworks, and the fireworks end up spelling the end and it's over. But it spelled it three different times. The first one looked like Finn or Fiend, I don't know, but it was looked like it was in Brazilian colors. The second one um, was in Mexican colors, and then when it and also in a different language. And then the third one was the end in red, white, and blue. Yeah, I don't really know what the first one was. I, it looked kind of like VN or VM. I'm not sure. The second one was for sure Finn, F-I-N, Finn, which means end in Spanish. Right. And I'm then just, it said the end. I'm just thinking that they were representing the three Cavaliers countries. Yeah, probably. In the ending, which I think is a nice touch. Yeah. And there you go. Yep. I mostly recommend this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I really liked this. I grew up with it, so I'm probably a little bit biased, but... I just really like the creativity in this, and I, do, I like how you get some 
education right. about Latin American countries. Right. If you wanted to make that, you know, sneak in something educational without having it be dry, this is one way to do it for kids, I would think. Mm -hmm. So what would you say is your favorite of the two movies? Oh, the first one. I figured I would you'd say, say that. Yeah. I would probably rewatch this one, too. Yeah. I mean, I might forward through a tiny bit of the wolfishness, but... <laughs> Skip the beach scene. <sighs> well, unless I wanted to be like, now what kind of swimsuits? Oh, that one's sad. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> there uh, were some interesting swimsuits. Like that one you pointed out, the lady with the thing in her head. That looked kind oh of Oh my knitted. goodness. She had a gigantic snood that was a netting on the top, but the base of it for anybody who's into needlework, more, looked more like, I don't know, the puff stitch would be the right, what am I working on right now? It looks kind of like a giant popcorn stitch. Yeah, which would have held all of her voluminous nineteen early 1940s hair. <laughs> but anyway, no, yeah. So they're, they're interesting um regional costumes and stuff and it's interesting to see the people and and learn about the different dances and things and yeah creative mm -hmm. animation so yeah there were things that i enjoyed about this one and um, i would probably watch it again but the first one was my favorite of the two and i i can see that i think the second one is probably my favorite but again i think i'm biased because i grew up with this one mm. and i just really like the music like, I wish that, I don't, maybe there is one, but I want a soundtrack of these two films. Because there's a lot of great music in both of them. Mm. But I really like all the different songs. Oh my goodness, be prepared, people, if you watch these. If you don't want, you know, Latin American music stuck in your head, <laughs> stay away. But if you do, then watch them. <laughs> like, there are much worse things to get stuck in your head. I, I mean... <laughs> I, after I got done watching these, I started trying to find some South American music that I would like, and I wanted to look more into the gaucho music. It, it definitely piqued more of my curiosity. Just be warned, if you watch this, you might start jigging around your kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of fun music. Yeah, probably going to get stuck in your head a little bit. Mm -hmm. The music and the animation is like my biggest draws. and They really just had some really neat animation i mean mm -hmm. i'm gonna start getting redundant here but very creative very beautiful between the two of these and combine that with the educational aspect and it, it's very historically interesting mm -hmm. and engaging yeah there's a lot to love in these movies for a variety of reasons which i was not expecting <laughs> at all it's like okay we're gonna watch the three caballeros oh, okay I, yeah <laughs> Okay, well, I think that's all for this episode. We're going to be watching Walt and El Grupo to get some more historical information on these movies. And we'll be back the next time with that review. Yes, hopefully we can fill in a lot more gaps or have new revelations to share. Yeah. Sure we will. Okay, we'll see you then. Bye.
Thanks to Sarah for joining me for these episodes of the Disney Movie Marathon, and like we said in the show, we'll be back for one more episode talking about the 2008 documentary covering the period of Disney history, and even American history, in which these films were made, Walt and El Grupo. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Disney Movie Marathon. Marathon.